You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your local long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnbr and tell them who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes, and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph, as always, joined by AJ Hayfley on what is... Cut day, I guess. There's been a number of cut days, but today we officially have the Avalanche's 23-man roster on the books, and we figured it would be a good idea to run that down. AJ, hope you're doing well. Are you ready to get into this? I am. Second part of the day. Uh, if you listen to the first one, you will know how I really feel about this hockey team. Uh, so... You should definitely check out the uh, the Denver Sports Podcast if you haven't already. Uh, a lot of abs talk there, uh, as it is going to be for the next several months. So I'm excited to get into more of the nitty gritty here and less of the you know big picture stuff that we talk about on that pod more so than we do on this one where we get we dig way deeper into those details. So very excited. Cut a. One minor surprise, but not really. Yeah. I, first off, you had Kanaten and Magna both officially sent down now. Mm-hmm. No big surprise there. They were waived. They stayed with the team for an extra day, but ultimately still headed to the Eagles. And then we do have the – I don't know if it's a surprise. We kind of figured out that since the Avs didn't cut down to 23 yesterday, they couldn't waive anyone. So that pretty much came down to it being either Connor Timmons or Callie Rosen being mm-hmm. the final cut, and it did end up being Callie Rosen. It did. Uh, I'm actually, I say a mild surprise just because I figured Callie Rosen's 25. Uh, right. He's played very well in the AHL the last two years. 
there's really just not much left for him in the AHL. Yeah. Uh, but this is this was the position they put themselves in with the Nachushkin signing where it changed their math um on uh over the summer where they said uh, hey we're committed to this guy being on the roster and you know based on the opportunities it became obvious in the preseason that they were not considering cutting him that they were going they were dedicated to they were committed to looking at Val Nachushkin on the roster uh and that he wasn't really in in contention uh for not being on it which is the choice what which it's definitely something they chose to do and you know whatever what's what's done is done um but that's this was the the consequence when everybody said oh there's there's no risk to this um this was this was the potential here is that it changes that math and now you know you have a guy a 13th forward that we all expected in kamenev that was not a surprise but now, you know, if somebody plays, you know, right right now, based on practice, right now, uh, Nachushkin's in the roster, and Colin Wilson's not. Right. And, you know, Colin Wilson's not not this world beater. You know, he's not an all-star or anything. But that guy scored eight points in 12 playoff games for you, and you're going to sit him for a dude who had zero goals last year? Like, and that's just assuming the that the practice lines from the last two days hold. Big assumption. I mean, lots of things can change in two days. But... I, I, you know, I'm, if, if that's where they headed, if that's where they're headed, I'm disappointed, but, uh, not too, not, not too overly surprised by the, uh, the moves made. We knew Ian Cole was going to get the IR, um, Connaughton and Magna had already cleared waivers. There was, I, I didn't think there was any realistic shot that they were sticking around all of a sudden. Otherwise, why would you even risk it? I mean, there, there was no point to that. And so Rosen was the final cut. We were pretty sure it was going to be one of the two waiver exempt guys in Rosen or Timmons. And, you know, selfishly, we did the Timmons thing yesterday. So I'm glad that he's sticking around because that now looks a lot more timely. Yeah, worked out for that Monday show pretty well for yeah, us. But definitely. It's, I will say, the second I think any D man gets dinged up, you'll see Rosen back on the roster. Oh, 100%. Um, Again, without having to worry about waivers, it's very easy to pop him back up. And I will say, you know, why, why, why Barbario over Rosen? Uh, if you had had a defense that has Makar, uh, Graves, Timmons, and Rosen on it, and those were the, you know, maybe those are the, even the guys that you're playing. You're talking about 35 combined NHL games. Yeah, that is basically no experience. That is that is a lot of growing pains for a team that is looking for a very hot start. Like a team that has a schedule that should lend to a hot start. You know, you you open with I think four or five straight at home and then you go and then they have five on the road so that'll even out pretty quickly. But you want to, you know, Calgary, Minnesota, Boston and then Arizona. So four straight at home. Yeah, uh, you you've got to be feeling, you know, you want to walk out of there at least three and one, especially and, considering you have six road games following it. So, yeah, is it six? Yeah, it's well, it's five. It's a five game road trip. And then they have that week off and then yeah, they go to right. Vegas. You are 100 percent correct. My bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right, man. It's 
you've got it. You've definitely got to show well. And especially because that road trip, not easy. Washington, Pittsburgh, Florida, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, Vegas. Zero pushovers there. <laughs> right. You're not you're not looking at any of those, even with Florida as the team that missed the postseason, still a 90 point team. Yep. You know, there isn't a quote unquote soft, soft team on their schedule until they come home and play the Ducks on the 26th. And that's the second night of the back to back. They'll be in Vegas the night before. So a hot start is something they're after, and I think that's where we're talking about the experience on the back end mattering, where, you know, and even if it ends up being Graves that gets in uh, into your lineup and Barbs is the guy that's sitting, that's we know that that's going to be a rotation. We can expect that to be a rotation, uh, but the penalty kill is what decided it. We talked all summer about this. And the team's comfort with Ryan Graves on the PK is what gave him the leg up over Rosen. And I don't, how do you, how do you feel about that? Don't love Graves on the PK in general. Um, I don't think he earned it strictly off of preseason play. If we're looking at that Rosen before that last game of the, of the, the preseason where Graves got like six minutes of PK time, Rosen was getting a significant amount. I thought his defense looked better than Graves. However, as you said, experience and team knowledge, they know what Graves is. They know what to expect out of him in that role. Yeah, and this is, this is where their experience with him. Directly, yes, yeah, exactly. Is, is definitely going to be something that inches him uh, ahead in the in that race a little bit. Again though, you know, he could have a really poor opening night and then yeah, you know, Barnes was in the lineup game too and we we're, we're talking about it and like, oh, "Okay." Yeah, if if Graves has played all of the Avs first 10 games, first of all, I'll be shocked. And secondly, yeah. that means he's playing great. Right. It means it means he's doing something to stay in that lineup uh and that's and, and hey, man, that's encouraging, right? Because we saw yeah. we saw a lot of good things out of Ryan Graves last year. Um, we all we all liked him. I I really kind of thought that he would be behind in these in this race uh, in the preseason. But Kevin Connaughton, the injury, he never really found any traction. Never got going. Really, kind of put him behind the eight ball. It would not, in the least, surprise me to see. Kevin Connaughton and Ryan Graves switch spots a month from now. Yeah, I agree with that as well. If you're looking for an experienced guy, Kevin has the the big leg up there. Well, and we we talk a lot about opening oh the opening night roster, but the opening night roster and the end of season roster change so much every year. You know, there's there's three or four guys that always end up swapping spots and having bigger roles than expected. You know, things happen. You know, injuries will eventually play a role into this. Right now, the team's pretty healthy. It's got one guy on IR to start the season. And again, he's he's got Wolverine's healing factor kicking in. That guy's not going to be on IR for long. Like, re, we, 10 games were, you know, you say you'd be shocked if Ryan Graves plays all 10 games. And some of that might be because he Cole comes right. back. There were some estimates out there that he'll be back by late October now, not even November. Yeah. I mean, you start you start looking at, you know, when uh uh Colorado hosts the Blues on the 21st. You know, you're 10 games in. 
it comes quickly. <laughs> Things go go very fast in the NHL. Once it gets started, there's there are breaks, I guess. They have a bunch of bye weeks and stuff, but then they also play five games in eight days. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see exactly like what the decisions they make are. Uh I'm I'm real excited to see what this team can do now that it's like together. Um, I, I'll be disappointed if they like force the Nachushkin thing, but at this point it's whatever, you know, he's on the team, hope for the best, hope he goes out there and scores in game one and blows the projection, you know, blows what he put on the ice last year out of the water and we don't ever look back and it's fine. Well, if he plays well, I can drink to it. If he doesn't play well, maybe I'll drink because of it, but man. Either way, it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990. This coming weekend, it's actually turning 29 years old. They're having a big celebration over, I believe it's at their their main location. Uh, But you can find out more about that if you go to Breckenridge com slash hootenanny. They have a huge big event where they'll have all of their beers ready to go, ready to drink. They have a bunch of live bands and, and other stuff going on. I think they're headlined by the Disco Biscuits, which AJ just can't get enough of their name. I know he loves it. It's an incredible name. <laughs> but yeah, it's just going to be an awesome party. Uh, I believe it's October 5th and it's an all-day event where they'll just be hanging out, drinking Breck brews and, and enjoying the day and celebrating their birthday. So be sure to check that out. Or if you can't make that, also keep an eye out on the Breckenridge event calendar on the DNBR.com. We have our events planned for watch parties of the Avs, the Nuggets, the Broncos, you name it. We'll be drinking Breck brew at those as well. So RSVP, come out and have a good time with us. That's going to do it for segment one. We'll be back in segment two to kind of talk about the makeup of the Avs lineup. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast with Rudo and AJ. We're here talking about the 23-man lineup. Start from the back end with the goaltenders. Obviously nothing new here for the Avs. It's still going to be Grubauer number one, Francis number two. But Antoine Bebo is in the mix as well if you're looking on a more organizational size. Should be number one guy for the Eagles to start off, and you know you feel good about Frankie going into the season, but he's got to continue to prove it. You know he's done it at every level. He's dominated the check, he dominate KHL. He was very good last year in the AHL. You know, so the guy has has stepped up to every challenge that he has uh, encountered in his career and earned this opportunity. But we see this a lot. Lots of guys are the best guys in leagues that are not the NHL. Right. And then they show up in the NHL and it, man, it's just a, it's a different world and he is not going to be given a lot of opportunity. He is a clear cut backup to Grubauer. He's not going to play a lot. Next six months, he's probably going to play 20 games, you know, 20, 25 games. Yeah. I think that's realistic. That's he's got to stay mentally sharp. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him to make sure that he lives up to that, that he justifies their faith. Yeah, it's it's always a, a bit of a proving ground, and you never really know with these backup goalies. I do believe to hit a certain level of being a passable backup, it's not that hard for someone of Fran Suze's ability to do. 
to hit the level of being a quality NHL backup, someone the Avs can rely on a little bit. Jury's still out there. He's got to prove it. Yep. You know, and the say and hey, Groovy got to prove being number one. Yeah, that's that's completely up in the air as well. He's had stretches of long quality play both here and in Washington, but he's never really been the guy. Definitely, and he's got to he's got to prove that, and that's what this year is all about. That's really the last position with major question mark attached to it, just because they haven't done it yet. Yep. You know, and I guess to a lesser extent, Kale McCarr proving he's like a number one guy uh, would would also count uh, as a got to prove it. There's just know? no safety net with goaltenders, right? In forward right. core, you have 12 guys. If one guy's not proving it, it's not that hard to replace him, at right. least functionally, even if it's not the same level that you were hoping for. With the goaltenders, if Grubauer ain't the guy, you have Francis, who is a total unknown, and then you have AHL guys behind him. Right. I mean, if, if Grubauer's not the guy, your season's over. Right, basically. You know, unless... Unless Colorado is as good as San Jose was last year, where they were over were able to overcome bad goaltending, but that is a <laughs> pretty tall ask there. That, exactly, like that is. Whew, I don't know, man. That's asking quite a bit. So, um, I think you you you've got to you know Frankie's got to prove it because they've got Bebo there. And I think one of the reasons they probably liked Bebo was, again, a little bit of NHL experience. Not much, but not, he does have two games. <laughs> right. Not a, not a ton, uh, but there's some there and, you know, has been solid in the AHL before. Not, again, not great last year, um, but it definitely gives them a little bit of a little bit of depth and a little bit of opportunity Bebo is also a guy who kind of understands the grind of what it is to be a third goaltender where you're playing in the AHL and you can be called up and you could spend two weeks on the NHL bench and not even play a game and then you have to go back to the AHL and continue performing most goaltenders kind of understand the situation there but it's a different thing to have actually been through it and know what's coming right and I, I you know there's experience matters to you know to some extent yeah. So it's not nothing at the very least. Yeah, it's not nothing. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, that's a position that we've kind of, there isn't really a lot to say going into the season. It's very much like we all kind of understand the situation and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I, that's kind, kind of throw of your hands up and the, we don't know yet on that one. Yeah. It's because it, if it goes well and their faith is rewarded on those guys, dude, lock it in, set it up, and you're good. They they're gonna they're gonna have a real serious opportunity to push Nashville for Central. Yeah, if if that if that position lets them down, then they are going to. It's gonna be a, a real uphill battle to make the postseason again. Right, which is too bad. Like that, the, this one position could. That's true of most teams, though. Yeah. I mean, look at Jordan Bennington. If Jordan Bennington right. immediately reverts to form, the previous career form, and, and is not up to snuff in the NHL, St. Louis is in deep trouble. Yep. So 
it's not a unique problem. No, this was not an avalanche specific issue. You know, you you've got Chicago trying to is Robin Leonard for real coming out of the 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 tightest defensive system in the NHL with the Barry Trotz team in front of him to the worst defensive team in the NHL last year as you know team chaos was in front of those Chicago goaltenders. Then this is just the central division that we're talking about right. here. Like the only one that I have like confidence in, uh, I guess there's two. I both Dallas and Nashville, I think are, are, are set to be pretty good. Uh, even if Dallas doesn't repeat last year's incredible, like career years out of both guys, they're both still good goaltenders with, uh, maybe a little worried about Bishop's injury proneness, but right. if he's healthy, but then, you're not worried. Yeah. But but then, you know, last year was almost a platoon anyway. They were almost That's an true. even split down the middle and both of those guys were very good. Yeah. It's always been an elusive position goaltending. Historically, mm. the Avs had been very lucky at that position, but now we'd like to see that continue, man. Yeah. Like to see it continue. would like to see Grubauer be the guy. Have him be the one that uh, is in line and win the win that job and put himself in in position for a long term extension next yeah. summer and go get that paycheck exactly exa- and set and forget that position for the next five years. Don't even yep. worry about it, you know. Right. And then down in the down in Loveland, you've got Adam Warner trying to prove that the Avs can develop a goaltender. <laughs> you know, it's it's basically what Mark Denis, Peter Budai, and Pickard, if you want to count kind of David Abisher and then Pickard. Yeah. So it's it. They've never developed a starter. Yeah. Not that. I don't know if I have that much faith in Werner, but (laughs) I mean, Denis and Abisher started, but yeah, yeah, they did start and were starters for teams, but were they really starters? (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right, we've talked about the defense some already, but you can't have goaltending without defense. They go hand in hand here. How are they going to manage this to start this season? You've talked about Cole potentially coming back early. We know that they have, have Graves and Timmons as the extra guys right now, or if they want to put Barbario in, sure. At the top, turn and burn, just do it, and, and do EJ yes. Zadorov. Absolutely. You got your you got your turn and burn at the top, little go go action. Get up and down the ice, little a little more offensively tilted, uh, and then ZJ uh, ZJ to be your big hulking defenders, and then Graves Timmons. You kind of situationally use and see how they go. Yeah, or Graves Barbario, Barbario Timmons, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really whatever combination doesn't does not change their usage much for me. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair. I, I will say, man, you cannot have Graves Barbario. No, you did not. You did not keep Connor Timmons to sit him. That's stupid. Not to say that like a one game scratch is unacceptable, but you don't do it multiple times. You know, you don't have him sit a week. Right. If you wanted to scratch that roster spot, you keep Rosen. Exactly. So it just wouldn't make any sense not to get Timmons games if you could. Yeah. And I am curious about how Timmons fits in with the PK. EJ and Z are going to do it. Mm-hmm. We know that for sure. Given the way they use Graves, especially in that last preseason game, he's going to mm-hmm. do it. 
do you give Timmons the crack at that? He did PK some in the preseason, or are you falling back onto that Sam Gerrard as the kind of fourth guy? Um, situationally, I think you could probably, I think it would be easier to find the extra minutes for Timmons than it will be for Gerard. Yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing you don't want to do, um, on the PK, one thing to consider is that when that PK ends that you like to get your top line out there immediately. You've spent two minutes with the other team's top guys out on the ice. Now you want to get your guys out there because you expect their top guys to be tired. Uh, and on a on a break, on a rest. So you want to get your guys out there quickly and getting Gerard out there with them uh, would theoretically be more advantageous than uh, saving Timmons for that. So I would probably lean towards Timmons on the PK as the fourth guy if they choose to use a fourth guy. Um, we've seen that they've run three guys and they'll rotate pretty consistently. EJ just played the full two minutes, basically. Exactly. And they'll rotate Z and Graves, kind of depending on clears and how things go. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I would I would lean towards Timmons, just because when that PK ends, obviously, if they score on the PK, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not great. <laughs> right. Then, well, doesn't really matter. But if you kill the penalty, you are going to want to get your McKinnon line out there. You're going to want to get McCarr out there to take advantage of whoever they have out there that probably will not be their top line. And if it is, it'll probably be a tired top line. So you immediately have a little bit of a jump right there. Uh, you want to take advantage of that. So I would probably lean towards Timmons in that spot. Makes sense to me. I, I do wonder if he's a little bit green around the gills to really give him a significant look at that. I it would be like a last thirty seconds kind of yeah. thing, you know, where you're you're just like Ugh. already kind of starting to transition out of the PK anyway. Ex- yeah, and it would be, you know, maybe maybe a very situational face off, um, you know, like an offensive zone face off if they, you know, if they ice the puck or something, they do something and. You know, Matt Nieto or Matt Calvert gets one of their breaks and they shoot it right into the goalie's chest and they get the face off. You know, maybe that's where you you can steal um, 30 seconds or something from him where they they dump the puck in and you go and you pick it up and they clear it out and then he hops off. So I think they could they could steal some some time like that. It'd have to be clever. You know, it'd have to be very specific, not clever, but specific usage of of Timmons there. But I think that would be one of the benefits to having him around. Let's set some expectations for Timmons here. We've already said we're assuming because he's on the roster, he'll be in the lineup. What does do we need to see out of him to call it a good start to his career? The same, the same thing that he showed in the preseason. Man, just play well. Yeah, be smart, be aggressive, be effective. Um, shot suppression needs to be there. Play to play to the intelligence that we know he has, and and be aggressive with the puck and push the pace. And he'll stick, man. It's really like <laughs> it's it's funny because the NHL is really really hard league, right? Yeah. <laughs> but getting there and once you're there, sticking there, uh, you just kind of have to be the same guy that you've been getting to that point. And that's what he, exactly what he said to us yesterday, too. Yeah, exactly. And he knows that, obviously, because he told us. Uh, but just go through 
his career, you know, and, and he needs to just be comfortable. Hey, this is who I am. This is my DNA. This is, this is what I do. And he'll have it. He'll, he'll stick. He'll be there. He'll be just fine. Uh, he will, he'll make me my bold prediction of, uh, him playing 50 games. Look smart. Uh, yeah, it might just happen at this point. You never know. I mean, him making the him making the team right away, man. That's a yeah, that's we, big. We've gotten comfortable with it over the last ten days because he's played so well in the preseason. But walking in, this was not something we were talking yeah. about on September first. It wasn't even really a consideration, no. was it? We were, of course, we were having the conversation. I mean, it was a perfectly logical conversation. Yep. You know, hey, give him some time to answer him. Played competitive hockey in eighteen months, <laughs> and uh, that dude just. Shrugged it off, said, "Don't care." Went out and did his thing and won a job. I mean, I we've talked about it a lot, but I seriously don't know that we have stressed just how impressive this accomplishment is. You know, just to have made the team. This is not a guy that you know is making the Edmonton Oilers here. Yeah, this is a team that made the second round last year. This is a team that has that believes in itself is a Stanley Cup contender and already has one rookie on that lineup in Kale McCarr. And they said, you know, they actively went out and got three, four other defensemen to fill the roles. And he still went out and beat all of them. He went out and took all those jobs. Kevin Connaughton is a Colorado Eagle right now because Connor Timmons took his job. Yep. Straight up. And, and that's no knock against Kevin Connaughton. It was just that Connor Timmons did the damn thing. It was that it was that impressive of a performance that the coaching the coaching staff just said, "Look, he's been too good." What kind of what kind of message are we sending to our organization if a guy plays that well and we send him down? Because you're saying, "Okay, well he needs to develop more," but he already outplayed all the guys that you brought in. How much more does he need to develop? No, he won that job. You know, Callie Rosen, you and I both agree. Look, Callie Rosen looked damn good at different times in the preseason. There were some ups and downs with him, though. And you can have the conversation where you say, hey, that's a guy that you can freely bring up, bring down, depending on what the situation is. Right. You know, one forward injury, you don't have to bring because you have two extra forwards. Callie Rosen's your first guy up. Callie Rosen brings the flexibility that the abs wish they had with Ryan Graves last year. A hundred percent. And maybe the flexibility they wish they had with Vlad Kamenev right now in terms of his waiver yeah. eligibility. Very true. You Very know, true. because I, I, I think they kept Kamenev because they were afraid to waive him. And that is what we will get into in the final segment, him as well as some of the other forward makeup for the abs. But first, you know what's so great about the DNVR family? We now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition, go to houselift.com. That will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all of the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle 
everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of the costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more into their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houseless preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission. Third and final segment. Go O. That can't be right. I don't think <laughs> go O is the Spanish word for go. Uh, <laughs> on delay. There we go. Uh, DNVR Avalanche podcast, not the learning Spanish podcast with Nathan and Rudo. Well, with Rudo and AJ. Um, now I'm all mixed up. Don't even know what language I'm speaking at this point. But. We are talking about the Avs forward core in this segment. AJ mentioned Kamenev still with the Avalanche, potentially because they are afraid he would get claimed if they tried to waive him and send him to the AHL. That's kind of where things start. He was expected to be the 13th forward. Looks like Val Nichushkin probably has jumped ahead of him and is going to be the opening night player. Hey, we all make choices in life. <laughs> Fair enough. It's... When you're looking at the bottom of their lineup, Belmar seems pretty set as the fourth center. He's had great chemistry with Matt Calvert on that line, so that's expected. Uh, who do you see on the right? A Matt Nieto, since it sounds like Colin Wilson is the odd man out? Are you asking me what I think is going to happen or what I would do? Uh, how about both? We'll start with what you would do. What I would do uh, is I would... Ooh, this is a tough one. Uh, what I would do is I would have your top line, and then I would have Donskoy, Kadri, Burkowski, and then I would have Wilson, Jost, Comfer, and then um, Calvert, Belmar, Nieto. Okay. And then what I think they'll do is the top line. <laughs> yeah. Copy-paste. Um. And then they'll go Jost, Kadri, Burakovsky, um, Nieto, Comfer, Donskoy. Yeah. And then that fourth line, uh, they've been rolling Nachushkin on that right side next to Calvert and Belmar. Okay. So there you go. And I think Nieto's being overused there. Yeah. I don't disagree with you that in that regard. If you're gonna new, if you're gonna use Nachushkin, he should be next to Comfer and uh, Donskoy. At least give him a chance to produce. Exactly. Um, put him in a role where you hope to capitalize on something, because that fourth line is gonna play a very specific way, and he doesn't fit that. Right. Um, they're gonna be the you know they're gonna be hard on pucks. They're gonna be fast. They're gonna be well. Belmar's not fast. Calvert's going to be fast. Uh, he's going to, they're going to forecheck like crazy. And that's just not really what he does. It's not really who he is. Um, and I guess if he's on a line with two guys who are already doing a lot of that, maybe he doesn't need to. Uh, but I, I just think getting him on a, on a line with a little bit more raw skill. Yeah. You hope to, uh, you hope to make some sort of use of it and draw that out of him a little bit. Sure. We've also seen him struggle to find chemistry with anybody so far. So so moving him around needs to continue to happen. 
until you can find you, you either find a place for him or you just cut the cord and and say okay this just isn't working um i don't know why you would have unless colin wilson's continuing to battle a little something and they're just trying to play this safe and say hey we don't want this to get worse and turn into you missing 20 games um I have. I don't know why. If Colin Wilson's one hundred percent healthy, you would have Nachushkin playing opening night over him. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me either. Because at that point, why did you bring him back? Right. You know that's that's totally pointless. You know you had you had younger guys that had decent enough preseasons that could justify those roster spots. You know if Nachushkin and Wilson aren't there. Bowers and Greer are probably on this roster. Even if just one of them wasn't signed, it opens up that spot. Yeah. Well, maybe Callie Rosen gets that roster spot well, instead. Fair, you know, very fair. Yes. Um, you know, and that and that goes back to the original math that we had all summer until August nineteenth when the Chushkin dropped in. Um, but that's it. Like just like I said earlier, it just sort of changes the roster math. Um. It, if you're gonna if you're gonna have him around, if you're gonna have Nachushkin, you're gonna really give him this look, and you're really going to give him uh, an opportunity to to find an avenue of success for you. Then I definitely don't want to put him on a specialized fourth line. I want to put him on a third line that's got a little bit of offense, it's got some defense, but it's 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 got enough scoring pop to it where he will fit in. And we've seen Donskoy on both the left and right side so far, so it doesn't matter. Toss him on the left side, Comfer in the middle with Nachushkin on the right, you know, and and you have three guys with very different skill sets that can kind of all do different things. And and that does not mess with your fourth line, where your fourth line, if you drop Nieto down there next to Calvert and Belmar, he's another guy, although not as big, very speedy, very hard on pucks, um, you know, makes life miserable to play against for the opposition and is going to have an advantage over the vast majority of opposing teams' fourth lines full of plugs and randos. So, you know, a Calvert-Nieto combination, it's smaller, but they're both so hard on pucks and they're both so aggressive on the forecheck that it just doesn't matter that much. And the, the skating ability, too. Right. If you're matching them up against standard fourth-line guys, they're going to be on top of them immediately. Right. Exactly, man. They're, they, they are going to have an advantage uh, where last year's... I mean, you look at last year's Colorado fourth line and match it up against this year's Colorado fourth line, you know, match a put, put Gabe Bork and Vlad Kamenev and Sheldon dries up against Calvert and Belmar and Nieto. Which one do you, which one are you going to take on a nightly basis? (laughs) That's not a hard decision. is it? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they want to do to try to maximize Nichushkin. Because they obviously believe it. And hey, look, like, even as obviously I would say his most vocal, like, detractor of the signing itself, he had moments in the, he had moments in the preseason, you know, that he showed some power in his game. Um, he, he showed some effectiveness using his size. If he can get in there and he can start to find a rhythm and do that, and this is always how you talk yourself into a guy is you only look at the things that he does well and say, well, if he can just consistently do those things, then he'll be an effective NHL player. But it's hard (laughs) to do it in the NHL. Right. And we've seen a guy like him struggle his entire career with consistency issues. Um, And and last year, we saw him be very ineffective 
in a, a much more expanded role than Colorado gave a handful of guys last year. Are they how long how long do you give him as a leash knowing that last year also did happen? You know, do you give him 20 to 30 games? If he gives you four assists in 30 games, have you gotten what you wanted out of him? If he gives me four assists in 20 games. I mean, where is where is the line where you just say, look, this just isn't working? Now, if he's going out there and he's playing really effectively and the points just aren't following him, because sometimes that does happen to guys where they play good hockey, but sure. it's tough to pick up points in whatever spot they're in, you know, and it just isn't quite happening for him. But you see him out there doing good things every night. You know, for a, a while last year, we saw we saw that with Gabe Bork. I mean, we saw in the playoffs with Gabe Bork. The the playoffs brought out the monster in Gabe Bork. You know, where we would see we would see a, a an effective guy every once in a while pick up some points here and there. When both years in the postseason, we saw him pick up points and and be a difference maker at times on their fourth line. And even because even if you're not picking up those points, you know, as long as you're finding ways to be effective and help your team, if if the PK is really good, then great. If that's what you're doing. Um, but with Nachushkin, he's not that he's not a specialty player. You know, he's not a guy that you're you're going to put on the PK and you may not even put him on the second power play unit, kind of depending on what you want your lineup to look like and, you know. If you want, if you want to roll four forwards on each of them, you know you ha- you'll have an argument on your hands about whether or not Nachushkin should get on the second PP or not. Right. I I think we it's been pretty exhausted in in the bottom six, and I did want to get to the kind of top six triangle of Donskoy, Burkowski, and Jost mm-hmm. because the way okay. things have played out, those are kind of the three that you're trying to get into the top six, but there's just not enough room right now. They almost kind of backed themselves into a corner here because they said, you know, Bedner said, we want to give Joe expanded opportunities. We think he's going to, we think he's in line for a step forward. We think that he's a guy that can produce in the top six along the wing and not at center where there's just not an opportunity anymore. So, you know, this is where we want to see him go. And then they spent all preseason playing him at center. At center, right. And with Burakovsky, you know, he got looks next to the top line. He got looks on that second line and didn't really ever look all that good. Had a really nice goal in Dallas that we finally were able to see two days later. Uh, and was it was a really was a really nice goal. And you saw and it happened and you were like, there it is. That's, that's exactly what he was brought in to do, uh, to come in and, sh- and shoot like that. And I think that, again, you can't have a long leash here. You're trying to be competitive, you know, and, and I'm thinking like 10 games here. Not like three games, this hasn't worked. You know, I'm thinking like, give them 10 games. And then, you know, if se- if you've gone through seven games and it's absolutely not working, it's time to pull the plug. But I'm assuming there will be upsides along the way. Uh, even if it doesn't ultimately work out, usually you see flashes, right? So, I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that with Burakovsky, uh, we, need to, we need to kind of see him start to find some sort of a rhythm, settle into it. We need Joe's to continue 
the strong play from the postseason and really the preseason where I thought he was effective on the four check and, and creating havoc and breaking plays up and then using his skill to create some offense from there. Um, if he's able to consistently do that, man, he'll find his way to enough points where he'll stick. He'll be just fine. Um, Donskoy, we've seen. I almost kind of hate to put Donskoy down there just because Donskoy and Kadri had immediate chemistry. Yep. And it was that's thing of beauty. That's the thing where you're like, okay, these guys clicked. Now you're breaking them up and your reasoning for it is very iffy. You do have the one thing of Donskoy being locked up for four years. If you figure out what Jostin Burkowski can be on that second line now, you still have Donskoy down the road if it's not working. Yeah. And that's it's in the that's that's why they got him, right? Yes, exactly. Because to be a stabilizing presence, basically. The, the safety blanket of knowing who he is and what he does. Can't wait for the season to start. I'm so sick <laughs> right. of talking about this. I'm so right. I'm so ready to watch them go out and just blow the flames off the ice in game one. I remember I remember last year, and I'm I'm derailing us, I'm sorry, but no, you're good. Um I re- I remember watching last year them finish up when Goudreau got that breakaway in overtime and David Riddich on the other end started celebrating before he'd scored the goal and they were all feeling themselves and the flames this and the flames that blah 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 it felt so satisfying watch them blow those watch them blow Calgary out in game five in front of their home fans and just stomp that season into the ground and and send them into a into a an existential crisis of sorts in the summer where they had to ask themselves some tough questions about their identity. I want to see that in game 1 again. I don't want Calgary to come into the into Pepsi Center in the next 5 years and feel comfortable against this team again. Those days should be over, man. This is too talented of a team. No matter what they decide on the forward configuration here, they should they should Definitely stomp on night one. And the Avs should have some swagger going in, right? Because the people that were here for the playoffs, the only reason that series was close was one Mike Smith. And he's gone. Right. So right. they're going to come in and ready to dominate. They can't get all, oh, we blew these guys out. We got this. You know, well, this will be easy. You've still got to go out and do it. Shift in, shift out. But with the talent upgrades that they've made, they should be fine. And and that's you're talking about Calgary, like a team that pretty much everybody agrees is a playoff team out west. Yeah, I mean the Pacific, it's it's pretty much them in Vegas and maybe the Sharks, but right, the Sharks are such an interesting wild card. And I know this is for like tomorrow's show, but they are they are a fascinating bunch, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's really weird to think about that team without Joe Pavelski on it. But Yeah, and it's really weird that another guy gets the C while Joe Thornton just keeps on hanging out. Yeah, still existing as (laughs) ex-captain. Watching his C just get passed around. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of the Sharks, but that's a question we'll answer tomorrow. So yeah. just kind of final thoughts here on the Avs roster. I don't know how Kamenev gets in this lineup. Yeah, I you know I understand them keeping him and not wanting to put him through waivers, uh, but I I don't know where they play. If they only want to play him at center, I don't know how he gets in. 
you know, I, I mean, does he, do you, do you maybe like scratch a Natushkin and a Wilson and put Comfer on the right side and put Kamenev in the middle of those guys? As the three C, yeah. I mean, it's more of like an offensive line, like where you have like Donskoy, Kamenev, and Comfer, and and you tr- you try and make them a little bit more offensively minded, right? Um, Less crazy than it sounds, I'd- right? And like that way, you have kind of a balance. You have two lines that you'll play defensively in the Kadri line uh, and the Belmar line, and two two lines that you'll play almost exclusively offensively in McKinnon, and then at that point, Kamenev. I mean, I mean, it, I. That's my only thing with the Kamenev thing right now is I don't mind them not risking losing him. I think he was the guy that I said all, you know, all along. I think he has the best chance of being claimed if he gets put on waivers um, because teams are going to know, hey, this was a 50 point AHL guy. This is a center. The only reason he hasn't broken through is because he has he got hurt. And now he's on a team that's just a little bit too deep for him. And my my big question is, is does he just sit for 40 games? If they don't have any injuries down the middle, or if guys are living up to their roles and doing what they're supposed to do, does does Kamenev just get lost in this again? Is this a third season where he plays under twenty games? You know, that, the, yeah, that's a tough question for him? Right? It's I. I mean, if we're being honest, ultimately, I think unless Kamenev really plays well this year, that's he's probably done with the Avs, given how strong Bowers looked, if that yeah. continues. Because we know Bednar loves Bowers. It, they're going to want to get him in, yeah. especially in a fourth C-type role where Bowers can get on that PK side of things as well. I think he's already got the edge on Kamenev. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird year for Kamenev trying to get into the lineup and trying to to make a career in the NHL in general. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough go for him. Um, I'm just not sure what it looks like for him, but hoping for the best. Always, always hoping for the best. And soon enough, two days, the hope can stop and we'll have actual results to look at. So, I just want to get the season started much like AJ and we'll go ahead and end today's show there so we can inch closer to that. As always, thank you for listening and you will hear from us tomorrow. Think we'll be live on YouTube and Periscope and all that as well for a, we will be. a round table before the preseason or before the regular season begins. So keep an eye out for that and we will see you then. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? 
particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in ha- helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.